The Legacy of John Williams. Gents and boys and girls, look, uh, I don't think we need microphones, I think it's nice and intimate. Uh, you're very, very welcome. Lovely to have you here. Happy Friday. My name is Tim Burden. I'm from the Legacy of John Williams website, and it's a great pleasure to be here. Thanks to the National Symphony Orchestra, and indeed, uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome the Maestro for this evening's fabulous concert, which I know you're all attending in just a few minutes. Please, let's give a Dublin welcome to Richard Kaufman. video there was something I have to credit Mauricio Cassetto, the my colleague for the website, uh, for doing a tremendous job editing that together and hearing John Williams' words. And just three short weeks ago, John Williams turned 90 years young and he's still going strong, uh, as we said in the video. It's a tremendous career which has been celebrated quite succinctly tonight. I mean, you know, how do you sum up uh, such a, a wonderful career over decades uh, with just a two-hour concert? But it is being done superbly. And one of the best things about Richard is the fact that the programming of the concert is quite unique and dynamic. Alongside, you know, the crowd-pleasing favourites, you will hear some rarely performed gems from the library of, of John Williams, like the, the bat phone, as they say. So, uh, you know, some of the heroes you'll hear tonight. And there's a great story there, Richard, isn't there? Because the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, <laughs> easy for me to say, um, was where, what the piece was composed for and the Atlanta Games was really quite a, a massive event, wasn't it? Some of the heroes, can you recall that uh, wonderful moment? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you for, for being here um, and thank you, Tim, for that extraordinary piece. You should know about Tim Burton. Tim Burton is not just someone who's talking to you. Tim Burton's father was a man named John Burton one of the greatest French horn players ever in the studios. He played on many, many, how many films? Oh, about 60, 65. Including Lawrence of Arabia, James Bond, and the list goes on, and any, what other? Well, yeah, yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, the list good. goes on and on. So Tim comes from Thanks, a family of royalty and music, and uh, Tim loves film music, and we've been friends for a long time. Um, and as far as some of the heroes, yes, John, has written music for um, most, if not all, of the Olympics over the last you know few decades, and uh, some of the heroes is just one of the greatest pieces that, that he's written. You know, he just he captures emotion and mood uh, in everything he does, no matter what it is. Uh, you know, music is all about emotion and storytelling, and John's music literally becomes a character in the film, and at the same time supports the action and helps us to understand what the director is going for, what the actors are thinking and what they're not thinking. Uh, he tells us when the shark is there, but sometimes it's not. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very exciting to be here. So. Yes, and what we're going to do, uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to actually ask some questions for Richard. 
I'm sure you might like to do that. So, uh, for yeah, for a few minutes, let's Richard talk about you know, let's backtrack a little bit to uh, you know your beginnings in the studio actually with John Williams as composer conductor, and this goes back to 1975. 75. When you were 11. 12. Oh, 12. I was a year out. <laughs> I started playing in the, in the studios in LA when I was in college, and. I'm a violinist, and uh, was playing, you know, as, as studio musicians do. You get a call and it says, be it 20th Century Fox at 9 o'clock, three-hour call with so-and-so. So in 1975, I was fortunate to uh, be uh, asked to, uh, to play on the first film of John's that I played violin on, which was Jaws. And uh, it was an extraordinary week. And... I had seen a film that he had done the music direction for, a musical version of Goodbye, Mr. Chips. If you have seen that, if you remember it, just a great musical film. Uh, not very successful, but too bad, it was terrific. Anyway, so I went up to him on a break, and I had been out of college for, I don't know, three, four years, and I just said, Mr. Williams, I just want to say that I just love everything you did on Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Well, I was probably the only person who ever said anything to him about Goodbye, Mr. Chips it wasn't terribly successful and we just sort of hit it off at that point and uh, over the years the next um, I played another five years in the studios and um, uh, on I think six or seven of his other films uh, I played in Close Encounters of the Third Kind uh, and some others and then I uh, began my work in film and television in music supervision and conducting scores and uh, ended up uh, uh, as uh, head of music at MGM Studios for television. And, but John and I have stayed, you know, close and friends all these years, and now every so often I will, he'll ask me to conduct with him on the concerts. I'll do the first half, he'll do the second half, and uh, <clears throat> which leads us to one of the pieces you'll hear tonight from the film Minority Report. Uh, we were doing uh, concerts with the Chicago Symphony and uh, he programmed the first half. He shows the music, which is, is great, you know. Uh, and he said to me, he said, now, if there's anything that you'd rather change, go ahead. And, and like, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm not really happy. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this Music for Minority Report, a Tom Cruise film, just a gorgeous piece. And it's not available for performance. It's in his library. He, he performs it sometimes. And I, I've asked him for this weekend if we could play it, so you will be hearing music that John so generously has provided for us to play. It's a gorgeous piece of music. And uh, so then our relationship continued, um, and some very special memories uh, when, right after we did Jaws, he was nominated for Academy Award, and I was in the orchestra for the Oscars, and he won. And a lot of us in the orchestra had played on Jaws, and it was just such a thrilling moment to see him, you know, win his first Oscar, and, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's in Chicago. There yes. we are. And, uh, Very touching. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, he's an extraordinary man, generous, humble, uh, everything, you know, that you would like somebody to be, uh, and uh, one of the great things is that orchestras love working for him. You have this respect this desire to fulfill his vision musically. And that's one of the great things I find here with the National Symphony Orchestra. Every time I've been here, 
and the rehearsals this week, the same thing. They, they really understand film music. They're the nicest people. They, they really want to make sure that what the composer intended happens, and also that the audience hears this music as if they're hearing it played for the first time. So I think you'll, you'll find that tonight, and I'm just so blessed to be able to work with this orchestra. I mean, it's just, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I pinch myself. I find myself on the podium sometimes, I'm working, but I'm listening and I'm thinking, I feel like a member of the audience. And I, <laughs> this is really good. Oh! <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, one, of, one of the interesting things, certainly, about um, Richard's as well, you know, sometimes you'd be handpicked, like for the Young Musicians Foundation in Los Angeles, hmm. you know, you've done some wonderful charitable work, and we, you, know, you would host an event and conduct, and then John Williams would conduct perhaps the second half. I mean, that must be a thrill, you know, to, to be in that kind of aura. Always. I mean, it's always great, because John, you know, he loves music. Uh, he's written some of the greatest film music ever written. And uh, he's just, you know, a very special person. I think one of the parallels which is so uh, relevant to highlight, some of you may or may not be aware, many, many, many decades ago, John Williams actually began uh, his career in the studios. And I think this is why you know, Richard and John get on so well, because they're very much from the same cloth, as the saying goes. You know, John Williams played piano on The Apartment, the classic Billy Wilder film, uh, the, the film, Robert Wise film of West Side Story. Uh, as well as, of course, To Kill a Monkey To Kill a Monkey One of your favorites, isn't it? Remember the Mancini piece, Peter Gunn? Da 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 That's John Williams. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, and piano. So he, he was really absorbing so much from the, you know, the great Hollywood uh, Golden Age composers. You know, Franz Waxman and, you know, certainly Max Steiner and, of course, Dimitri Toenkin. Uh, Dimitri Toenkin, actually, the guns of Navarone. Uh, John Williams was uh, an orchestrator. Uh, uncredited, but he orchestrated the end credits, which of course is a, is a very uh, key part of the film. Yeah. Do you have Gilligan's Island over here? Have you seen yeah, Gilligan's yeah, Island? John composed music for Gilligan's Island. I yes. mean, it's what working composers and arrangers and orchestrators do. You know, you do the, you do the projects and... Uh, I know. But there's a wonderful story though. Now, John Williams wrote a score for a George Miller film in 1987 called The Witches of Eastwick. Uh, you know, part of Rich's career uh, has been so, you know, enriched in, in so many ways. And this is, I think, a, a great angle. Uh, you know, the score is so, so playful. There's, there's skirts, so there's, there's fugues, uh, as often there are in John Williams scores. You know, the musicality is second to none. And uh, the tennis game is a great moment in, in, that, in that score. But The Witches of Eastwick was Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, Cher, Susan Sarandon, up to all sorts of uh, frolics. <laughs> Some of them certainly not for you guys. <laughs> no, you, you cannot see Witches of Eastwick for another 20 years. <laughs> yes, one of the few R-rated films, as you would say. Um, but The Witches of Eastwick, yes, tell us now about the, the, the fantastic, when well, you were there, it was filmed in New England, and you know, even before uh, the music was scored, you were actually there on location with Jack Nicholson, weren't you? How many have seen Witches of Eastwick? How many of you there? So Witches of Eastwick, Jack Nicholson play, he plays the devil, right? And if you were going to cast somebody to play the devil, he could be a <laughs> So Jack played the devil and then the, the ladies, and they were all living in this New England town on the coast. And he arrives, and he basically is trying to uh, become very um, intimate with them uh, because he's the devil. And one of the scenes is where Susan Sarandon is, if you remember, is playing the cello, and Jack is trying to, and she's a, a very timid kind of school teacher, 
He's trying to entice her to be passionate with her playing of the Dvorak cello concerto. And so he, um, uh, he had to look like he was playing the violin to play a Paganini. It looked like he was playing a Paganini Caprice. You weren't supposed to put that up yet, but that's okay. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and then play the piano. It looked like he was playing the piano to accompany Susan. So my, my job was to work with Jack, which I did every day for three months uh, in L.A. at his house. And then we went on location in New England and uh, to help him to look like he could play the, uh, the violin, which was not easy. It's a very difficult piece to play anyway. Uh, but we had a great time working together, and as you can see, he was, I don't know if you can see this, can you see the, the He was an extremely serious student, as this next photo will show you. <laughs> so anyway, in the scene, if you remember, uh, he's looking like he's playing the piano while Susan is he's trying, he's playing the cello. And we, uh, we filmed those sequences at the very end of the shoot back in Los Angeles at Warner Brothers Studios. And um, Jack came up to me the morning of, of the, that we were gonna shoot the scenes there. And he said, do you know how to play the Dvorak, that piano part? And I'd been working with him, you know, to look, and not a very difficult thing to do. I said, I said yeah, well, Jack, he could do that. He said, no, George Miller, the director, wants to do some close-ups. So you do those. I said, Jack, you don't have to. Well, he was insistent. When Jack insists, you do it. And so they shaved my arms. <laughs> they put me in his wardrobe. So when, next time you see the movie, and the, the shots keep going on the close-ups of the hands. <laughs> yeah, the John Williams score for Richard Beast figure is superb. Do seek it out if you, if you haven't yet to hear it. Uh, so tonight's music repertoire really, uh, you know, is, is, is diverse and certainly uh, wide. You know, we have oriental flavors with Memoirs of Acacia. You know, we have the Harry Potter, the magical uh, wonder of Harry's wondrous world. Uh, and of course we have BFG, uh, your old doll fan, I'm sure. Yeah, we all love old doll. Uh, BFG, again, a very exclusive performance. It's very rarely performed. Rise of Skywalker, um, you know, Star Wars, is represented uh, superbly by a piece again. The Rise of Skywalker was the final Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. So we'll play music from that film and from the first film, your film. <laughs> <laughs> and the Thoros Battle, this lovely Prokofiethian, uh, is that even a word? But anyway, inspired uh, very much Prokofiev flavored. Uh, the Forest Battle from Return of the Jedi is, is really superb. Which really, sh I'm sorry to keep running. Go ahead. The Forest Battle is a great example of John Williams' brilliance because the Forest Battle is a fun battle. It's like a circus battle. And anybody else would write here you know, like this, but you hear elements all the way through that just make you smile during this piece called Forest Battle. And um, so, uh, again, he walks these very fine, dramatic lines. And, uh, it's, it's so much fun. And watch out for the French horn rips. There's quite a few of those. <laughs> uh, but look, yes, let's uh, have some questions, because we're going to wrap up very shortly. And yeah. I want to give you the opportunity to ask for questions. Please do. Uh, yeah, we have time. We're, we're not going anywhere for a few minutes. But, uh, yeah. So, yes, sir. Come to you next. I would like to ask, as John Williams began his career, he would orchestrate his own music. At what point did he, or did he ever, uh, farm it out to other orchestrators and not orchestrate? He still doesn't farm anything out. What John does is, 
And just about every composer has to use an orchestrator because of the time element that you have with writing. And so what they do are sketches. Now some, some composers, uh, I have a, a friend of mine who's an orchestrator who said that a very well-known composer, who shall remain nameless, sent him a piece of score paper of a cue that he wanted the orchestrator to do. There were no notes on the paper. It just said, make me cry. <laughs> so a lot was expected uh, compositionally. John writes this very complete seven-line sketch, woodwinds, brass, strings, percussion, etc. And uh, it's extremely clear and well done. And so basically, the orchestrators he uses, Herbie Spencer, uh, John Neufeld, and others, that he's, they just basically expanded onto the score paper. Um, and if they see something, they know what John probably intended, but they will ask him. And uh, it's, it's pretty evident. He's very clear about that and very complete. Thank you. Yeah, sure. This gentleman in the, we'll come to you next. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. You, just, just a quick question. Yes, sir. Already. With all the films we turned out nowadays, has the methodology changed or do they still do film scores and put them through the music? And yeah, the process of putting the music. Yeah, basically the composer will uh, be engaged by the producer or whatever to do the film. And, um, and then they will shoot the film. Sometimes the composer will read the script, sometimes not. Um, Max Steiner never read a script. He didn't want to read a script. He just wanted to see what they ended up with. But um, John's process uh, with Steven Spielberg is very uh, personal. Uh, there's a great story that John tells about Schindler's List, uh, which we're not playing tonight, not because we didn't want to. There's just not enough time. We could have been here for nine hours playing music. <laughs> but, um, John and Stephen, uh, they'll look at the film one in, a, in the morning in the screening room, then they'll go to lunch, then they'll come back and they'll talk about it. Well, Stephen showed John the cut of Schindler's List. And John said, you know, Stephen, I, I, I think I'm gonna skip lunch. I just need to think about this. So it goes away, they come back in the afternoon. And John said to Stephen, he said, you know, I've been thinking about this and you have made an absolutely extraordinary motion picture. He said, and frankly, you need a much better composer than I am to do this music. And Stephen said, I know, but they're all dead. <laughs> true, true story. John tells that in his concerts too. But yeah, they'll, they'll look at it and then they'll spot what is called a spotting session where they'll look at the film and they'll choose where to start cues, where to stop cues, where no music is necessary. The music editor will create a timing sheet composer will go off, write the music, and then they'll record it, and then dub it on the dubbing stage, mixing the sound elements, uh, dialogue, sound effects, and music. So it's pretty standard that way. Yeah. It hasn't changed over the years. Sorry? It hasn't changed over the years. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Uh, some people would like to try to change it, but I don't think they'll have a very good time. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, yes, please. Actually, you, you've answered my first question with with your uh, response there in terms of the process, which is really interesting. I'm interested, um, Richard, in if you could tell us a little bit about John Williams' influences from music, uh, his, from the history of music, who he, who you think he has been most influenced by. Um, Great. By the way, this is Kathy Stokes, the artistic director of the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs>
couldn't get a good seat. I'm, sure. <laughs> um, I'm not the artistic director, but I do do the planning um, work for the orchestra. Artistic planning? Yeah, um, planning coordinator. And uh, it's a great pleasure to have you, Richard. Thank you. Uh, and, and Tim, too. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'd just love to hear about John Williams and uh, the composers that have influenced Yeah, what influenced John? It's interesting. I did a concert a few years ago, about just three or four years ago. Uh, during which I played John's music, and I also played music that he had talked about that had influenced him, and also Steven Spielberg, the two of them. And John, I think John has been influenced by pretty much every composer. He is such a renaissance man when it comes to music and classical music, and you can talk with him, you know, forever about Brahms or Tchaikovsky or Mahler or Mozart or whatever. And so I think that in the great tradition of great composers, they have this, you know, influence all through their young lives. John's father played in the New York Philharmonic, he was a percussionist. And uh, so music was always a part of his life. And John was a brilliant pianist, brilliant classical pianist also. So the general answer, I think, is that so much influenced him. Steven Spielberg, uh, he said that the first really significant piece of film music that influenced him was Lawrence of Arabia by Marie Jarre. So we played some of Lawrence of Arabia and uh, you know that sort of thing. And I think if you listen to John's music, he's so eclectic in the kind of films that he writes. Uh, I played on a film of his called The Iger Sanction, a Clint Eastwood film about mountain climbing and murder and all those good things. And uh, uh, in it, he writes a very Baroque score uh, there's a training sequence where Clint Eastwood is running through the mountains getting ready to make this big climb of the Eiger. And it's very Mozartian, very, you know, scherzo and all that, and, uh, you know, just brilliant the way, the way he chose that. And that influence came directly from, you know, from that, uh, that kind of music. But um, John, a lot of people accuse John of stealing music or, or whatever. Uh, but... It's, it's just patently not true. I mean, you can certainly find certain feelings, you know, of, of Holst that you can hear in John Williams, but if you have a, 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 a Western film, like The Cowboys, for example, that you'll hear tonight, you can hear that coming from Dmitry Tionkin, Max Steiner, Elmer Bernstein, and it's just that, just the sound. It's just kind of the sound. And then they put their own stamp on it. And um, one of John's greatest uh, uh, skills is orchestration. Uh, hearing how he uses the instruments of the orchestra. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody who's ever been any better than that. It's like a painter with a palette with nine billion colors. And he takes the nine billion colors and then he starts combining those colors. And so uh, the use of the orchestra and, uh, you know, very, very, very exciting to hear. That's why I love conducting, I do a lot of conducting of the entire score with film, live to, live to, to film. Uh, Jaws, E.T., the Star Wars films, and when you hear this music live, you hear a lot more than you hear in, in the film, because they're pulling sound down and pushing sound up and all that, and the overtones and all, so, yeah. Yeah, no, great question. And Hope that answered your question. Just thank you. To, to, to follow on from that, uh, you know, certainly, it's, it's very, it's key, I think, to highlight the, the jazz influence with John Williams, you know, the um, Johnny T. Williams uh, band, as, as he was uh, part of many years ago. And 
the, um, there was a jazz band in Hollywood which had, you know, John Williams, Elmer Bernstein, a great former friend of, of Dublin, and it was also Andre Previn. You know, uh, can you what, what a you know what a quartet to be a fly on the wall, and that was called the Hollywood Review. And then I mean, tonight you'll hear the rhythmic sensibilities that that inherent you know in him this fantastic rhythm tonight, uh, you know from that kind of jazz mindset. And yes, yes, you yeah, just a couple of things when you mentioned about the music there, about how it's combined. It's it's, it's how you see a space, and then it's like going to the Sistine Chapel. And you wonder how did the artist paint that realize what it's going to look like from the ground, yet he painted it from, from inches away from the ceiling, you know, and I think that's just the John Major music, but I just want to ask, well, say, a five minute piece of music that John is looking at, how long does that actually take to get to, in terms of his, his music, so like the opening scene to Star Wars, how long does that take for him to decide where that would going to be condensed into something, you know? Uh, I don't know, no. I can tell you that some composers I've written some music, and for me, it's excruciating because, and I'm not really a composer, composer, and I think, okay, is this right, is this right, is this right? Some composers, it'll come to them like that. Elmer Bernstein, on the film To Kill a Mockingbird, said that they gave him the work print to start writing. It took him six weeks to even figure out what first notes to write. He couldn't understand, he couldn't get his hands around what the focus uh, of the film was. And he finally decided it was from the, all of, all of it was told from the eyes of the children in the film. And so he wrote this beautiful little piano thing played by John Williams in the studio. And, um, and that became, and he said, and then the rest of the score wrote itself, he said. So how long it takes them, usually they'll, they'll come up with thematic material. Um, uh, the story goes, uh, and it's true, that when Stephen first, when John, when John played uh, the first theme from Jaws for Stephen, and John went bum, 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 Stephen <laughs> laughed and said, no, really, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know. And uh, fortunately, Stephen trusts John implicitly. And, um, and there's a great story about E.T. And... Uh, uh, the bicycle sequence. Remember in E.T. where the kids take off and the whole ending? Well, John recorded the music and it was too long and it didn't quite fit. And usually, 99.999% of the time, they will ask the composer to adjust the music. Stephen said, we'll recut the film around the music. <laughs> and that's what he did. Wow. Yeah. Composer's dream. <laughs> yes, sir. I just wonder what piece of music are you most proud of? Uh, that you involved in or wrote yourself that gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling with the back? You know, I'd love to know what you're saying. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what piece of music that you've been involved in or written yourself are you most proud of that gives you that? What am I most proud of? Yeah. Of having done? Well, you know, I, I've written some songs. I've written some score when I needed to at the studio when there was no time left for the composer. But I love uh, conducting music and fulfilling the composer's dream, a vision, what he or she intended in the music. And uh, I guess I could just say I've had a lot of problems. I mean, I have had a lot of problems. Being with John, and uh, you can see this picture, I was at his office and 
we were standing, actually standing next to the poster of Jaws, if you can see that, and uh, he, said, he said, oh, we, and we've known each other now about 47 years. He said, oh, we look so much older. And I said, yes, but the shark looks the same. <laughs> and you can see he started laughing. And uh, uh, so it's just a real privilege to know him, to have worked with him. And uh, he's been, you know, wonderful uh, to me if I do concerts and I ask, I'd really like to do this music. It's not available. Uh, he will, you know, if, unless there's a, a copyright issue, he will always say yes. He says, tell me what you want. You know, so uh, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of really wonderful moments. Yes, yeah. Do you have a favorite piece of music by John? Or is that a really difficult question? It's you know, there's a, a, a musical called um, um, Finian's Rainbow, and there's a, a song there called When I'm Not Near the Girl I Love, I Love the Girl I'm Near. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say that when you know, to me. And you can't say this about every composer or every piece of music, but I would say that you know almost all the time, if I'm doing a piece of music, it's at that moment it's my favorite piece to do because I'm able to sort of help uh, guide and be a part of a team, which is what this all is. The con conductor is part of a team, uh, and and help help that happen, you know. But if I, I mean, if I had to absolutely choose something. Yes, please do. Okay. Um, as, as far as a memory, it would have to be Jaws. Um, because sitting in the orchestra for Jaws, uh, there was such power in that music. And uh, it was, I'll tell you a story. There was a violinist sitting on the music stand in front of me, Irma, and I forget her last name, an older lady. and. When we would record, John would see this screen, big motion picture theater-sized screen, and he would, you know, now that he's a monitor, but he had that. And so we could see this, and there was a sequence in, in, in Jaws, don't listen to this, uh, where this uh, Chrissy, the character, is swimming around in the water. And uh, it shows underneath, and her legs are dangling, and then it goes above the water, and you see her nice little cheery face. And suddenly she goes, like this, and the you know, she's not long for this world. And her, we were rehearsing the cue, and Irma happened to look up, and she put her violin in her lap and covered her eyes. <laughs> and the, the, the energy in that, in that uh, studio was extraordinary. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, the same thing, you know. Um, it, it, you're just surrounded by this emotion which is the music that's created. So, so Jaws, I guess. I love the sequence from E.T. that we'll play you know, uh, uh, tonight. You don't know about that yet. It's the encore, so don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the sneak preview. The sneak preview, right. The final question from this lady here, please. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll come to you next. Sorry. Um, well, it was already answered there. I suppose another question, like, not really a question, but if you could talk about like, the difference between like, themes and motifs and like, have some music that just like background music? Is there a difference between like cues? What's the difference between themes? You mean? Yeah, like if a certain part of the movie is like more important to emphasize with a theme, or the song is kind of Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, thematic material in films has become part of history. 
Um, you know, for example, uh, if I go this, if I do this, da 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 da. I mean, there it is right there, you know, and uh, it's just part of our, it's part of our lives. We remember, you know, uh, when my wife and I were dating, you know, we'd go to the movie and we, uh, the first film we saw, I'm ashamed to say it was Love Story, you know, and, uh, but, you know, we remember da 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 Godfather and all this, you know, da 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 and you can sing the next part, da 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 So, so all of this thematic material really hits people in a different way, a certain time of their lives, whatever. Uh, and the way John and a lot of composers write is very operatic, applying themes, just as Mozart and Wagner did to certain characters and all that. They apply Luke Skywalker's theme, the, the bicycle scene, E.T.'s theme, um, um, the devil's theme, and witches, you know. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, themes themes are are very important today. Sadly, a lot of directors are afraid are afraid of that. They think that it takes away from the film, that it's old fashioned. Uh, but they're wrong. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Final final question. Yes. So you said you started out playing violin. Yes. I'm curious. John Williams, what instrument he plays? Piano. Yeah. John plays piano. He's a terrific pianist. And um, uh, yeah, he's just. Fantastic, played a lot in the studios, uh, and um, which is interesting because for a pianist, he has such an understanding of every instrument of the orchestra, so that uh, I don't know if there are any members of the orchestra here right now, but um, oh, I the harp section is here. The harp section is here, and the oboe. Yes, I. Um, but. John writes music that lays really well for all the instruments. You know, he's been a real student of, so that when you're playing the music, players aren't going, like the harp part. You know, it's, writing for harp is one of the most difficult things you can do because people don't usually play the harp who are composers. You've got pedaling, you've got all of this, kind of harp do this, pedal, and then suddenly set up the next thing. But John understands that, and so, you know, it all lays really well for the instruments. Very smart composer. <laughs> Some of the heroes which you're going to hear tonight, uh, actually, it was premiered before the Olympics. It was premiered <coughs> in London with the LSO. John Williams came over and conducted the LSO at the Barbican. And it was because he wanted to hear Morris Murphy uh, play it. It was originally written for Tim Morrison. Beautiful, fantastic trumpet player based in LA. But uh, he wanted Morris. He wanted to hear Morris play it. So, and tonight, our, our trumpet player tonight is, is just superb. It's a lovely singing sound. Yeah, I think it's going to blow you away. So it's a, a great way, I think, to. Uh, Tim is doing his review of the concert already. <laughs> so look, uh, all that remains to be said is uh, thanks so much for coming to join us this, uh, this evening, and please join me in thanking Richard and enjoy the show. Thank you. of John Williams.